This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Time to talk a little BC politics. So we've been hearing about apologies. So we've been hearing about the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Keith Baldry with Global BC joins me on the line. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Where should we start? <laughs> uh, you know, usually August are the dog days of news and, B- and certainly in BC politics. I usually take August off, but uh, it's been a lively month and will likely continue to be lively with the new government in charge. Yes, uh, I imagine it will. Uh, let's start with the apology. Where do, where do we stand with that as far as uh, now there's talk of uh, there it was a public apology. No one's apologized to Gordon Wilson face to face. Do we know where things stand? Well, Bruce Ralston, the jobs minister who started this whole furor, uh, when he said that uh, Wilson had not done any work and had nothing, no written documents, now evidently has written a, a written retraction of, of his remarks uh, to Wilson. Uh, I'm not sure that's enough for Wilson. Wilson's uh, pretty steamed about this. So he, of course, the former um, BC Liberal Party leader, but Really, he should be more accurately described in this context as a former B.C. NDP cabinet minister who uh, left the the party after the 2001 defeat and ultimately uh, came to embrace and support Christy Clark's leadership. The NDP is one party that holds grudges, and um, Ralston, um, upon uh, assuming power, was very quick to fire Wilson as the province's LNG uh, advocate, which is certainly understandable. I mean, it was a patronage appointment through and through. But then through um, gasoline on the fire by saying he had no, uh, he had not done any work and had nothing to show for it. I've talked to Wilson a couple of times, and W's interviewed him a, a numerous times. He steamed about this because, of course, it sh- there's ample evidence to show how much work he did, tons of documents. And he says this has solidified his reputation. He wants to continue working in the LNG sector. Uh, and he says these comments have gone international and have ruined his reputation. So I'm not sure that this uh, belated, uh, somewhat tepid, again, retraction apology from Ralston's enough, because Horgan, the premier, added uh, fuel to this by repeating Horgan's comments. So Wilson retained his lawyer. He hasn't filed any legal documentation as far as I know yet, but uh, he strikes me as a guy who's not going to step down from this fight and probably will pursue some legal action and uh, file for defamation. I thought it was interesting, too, when he commented saying he wanted to see the due diligence that had been done, because uh, as uh, both you and Mike Smith pointed out, it was a quick Google search that led to finding out what reports he had written and what work had been done. Uh, But he wanted to know what due diligence Bruce Ralston had done before making those comments publicly, uh, because if there wasn't any, he was saying that that shows malice. Yep, and and Ralston, as far as I know, uh, has yet to produce any evidence of of what review was done. Um, And I don't think one was done. I think this was a case of sort of emotions getting ahead of uh, the facts here with, um, again, a bit of a payback here from against Wilson, who, you know, he was an NDP cabinet minister. Then he took part in a very divisive leadership race in 2000, uh, which Ujjal Desange ultimately won, which really divided the NDP. And you have to wonder whether some of that was the play, that these old memories, uh, and I've got a number of examples from the NDP of, of some of this, these, these schisms and rivalries uh, and partisan sort of camps in the party it go back generations. They don't disappear in that party, and I think Wilson may have been uh, the target of some of, that, uh, some of that payback that goes back, as I say, back you know, 17, 18 years. 
Uh, d- does it seem odd, though, that, that we saw such strong language from Bruce, Wal- Bruce Ralston right out of the gate on something where clearly he hadn't looked and didn't see information that was, that was easily accessible? No, yeah, it, 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 um, it doesn't uh, speak well of Ralston's beginning in that job. Uh, you know, what's unusual about this, Bruce Ralston's known, has been known, in opposition at least, to be a very low-key, uh, somewhat uh, uh, very con- almost conservative in, in terms of his opinions, uh, where he doesn't offer a lot of uh, flaming rhetoric and, and that type of thing, which is so often associated with politics, particularly politicians, particularly on the opposition side. He's been, he was always one of the lower key guys, and he comes out, he becomes minister, and suddenly makes some of the more inflammatory accusations that anybody's ever made, and uh, I just have to assume that Ralston received a really bad briefing here from someone who had it in for Gordon Wilson, and uh, this affair is not over, as far as uh, I can uh, see any indications of. I think uh, Wilson wants to keep this going, and he wants that re- he wants that evidence from Ralston. What review did you, did you undergo? Uh, did you take? And I wonder whether a political staffer is not going to emerge here and be the uh, sort of the sacrificial lamb uh, internally for the government. Hmm, we will uh, be waiting to see if that happens. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. Uh, no huge surprise that the NDP is following through uh, on one of their promises, uh, which was uh, to see what kind of roadblocks they could put up for this project. Yeah, no, they, they, this was a key campaign promise, do everything they can to stop the Kingdom Morgan Pipeline. Now, it's far from clear whether what they're uh, uh, preparing to do is going to be successful in any way. I've not seen any legal analysis that suggests that they're going to win this. So they've appointed Tom Berger, a former NDP leader and a former B.C. Supreme Court judge, and an expert on, and this is the key part, an expert on Aboriginal rights uh, as their external counsel uh, to see what they can do in the, in the courtroom. So... Um, legal challenges are, are one thing. Uh, they had already ruled out, David Eby, the Attorney General, had already ruled out blocking the permits for Kinder Morgan, which a lot of people thought was their only weapon the government really had. Uh, but he took that off the table, saying the government wasn't able to do that. So that leaves them with, a, with court challenges. So they're trying to get intervener status in this judicial re- uh, review of a National Energy Board decision, but a number of uh, legal analysts suggest that they're late in the day here. They, they may not get that intervener status, which now leaves open the, uh, opens the question of what other challenges they can mount. It was interesting, George Heyman, the environment minister, said he will, they, Kinder Morgan will not be allowed to put shovels in the ground on Crown land which is the bulk of the root of, uh, of the Kinder Morgan pipeline. And I assume that eventually uh, Kinder Morgan will go to court to, to challenge that, or they will put shovels in the ground and the B.C. government will challenge that in court one way or another. And that will, uh, that will probably be the focus of, of the court challenge. And the government has signaled, the NP government has signaled that their basis for their legal challenge will be that in, uh, First Nations were not adequately consulted uh, for uh, the pipeline's uh, construction. Now, first, uh, Kinder Morgan will argue they have they have done lots of consultation with First Nations, and, and adequate consultation does not mean 100% buy-in by First Nations, but it does mean at least that there was uh, consultation done. So that's going to be the focus of a court challenge. And underlying this, Jill, is something that's going to start being applied to all sorts of developments and policies in B.C., and that is the NDP's adoption and embracement of what's called the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, which a number of people think give First Nations a de facto veto 
over any development that goes on any land that they claim title to. 103% of BC is under Aboriginal title. Uh, so that has implications that go far beyond Kinder Morgan. But that's the heart and soul of the NDP's approach here, is that the pipeline can't proceed because it, it, it basically violates First Nations' rights. And that's going to be the, the, the crux of the question once uh, they get into court. Uh, and the comments from Ellis Ross uh, were interesting as well, because he came out uh, after that saying uh, he was uh, tired of governments or tired of people almost using First Nations as tools in that it comes up in this late uh, late part of the game. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, you didn't consult with First Nations. Yeah. Ellis Ross, who's a former chief of the Heisler First Nation, um, says that you, you'll never get 100 percent consent from First Nations. It's like you won't get 100 percent buy in from it from any particular constituency, you know, whether it's, you know, ask the people of Burnaby, it's not 100% opposition, it's not 100% uh, support for Kinder Morgan, it's, it's, a, it's fractured, just as it is in First Nations. And, and Ross's argument is indeed just that, Jill, that, as you say, that it's an argument, he calls it an artificial argument raised late in the game, that, oh, we don't have 100% First Nations, therefore you can't proceed. And he says there's, uh, he views it as a uh, uh, illegitimate sort of form of argument in that a number of First Nations, including his, embrace industrial development because a number of them are locked into grinding generational poverty that the only way out is to get jobs and uh, economic development. And whether it's LNG or Kinder Morgan or mining or something else, a lot of them re- rely on that, the natural resource sector uh, for employment. And uh, the way to get out of that poverty is to sort of boost the wealth of First Nations by having them you know, as part of this project. Indeed, Kinder Morgan has the support of a number of First Nations who signed benefits agreements with uh, Kinder Morgan to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars, and that will disappear if uh, Kinder Morgan disappears. And what do you think we'll see happen then? Because we also heard from uh, Kinder Morgan, from Ian Anderson, saying, yes, thank you, we will take a look at this. Uh, we are committed to working with government, but the tone of his response was very much, uh, this work is going to go on as scheduled. Yeah, I've talked to Ian Anderson over time, and he shows no signs of backing away here, no speculation that ultimately Kinder Morgan may just say forget it and leave. I don't think they will. Uh, they will begin construction um, in, in September, probably at their terminal in Burnaby, and on land they own. Uh, so, but, and that includes uh, probably Alberta as well, because the pipeline go, goes, of course, from Edmonton down to, to Burnaby. So... Uh, can, they will, uh, I think, confine their activities, construction activities, in the short term to land they own. Eventually, though, they will have to move on to, to their existing right-of-way, uh, which they have legal title to, and begin construction there. And that's where George Heyman's comments come into, in, into light, where he says they will not be allowed to put shovels in the ground. So that's going to be the first uh, firestorm in court. There will be some sort of court challenge from either side that will see them uh, go in and argue who has jurisdiction or who has the right to put uh, shovels in the ground. The second thing is that eventually Rachel Notley, the Alberta Premier, and whoever potentially succeeds her, whether it's Jason Kenney or one of the other United Conservatives there, will probably seek some sort of intervention from Alberta's point of view is that in a, it's a constitutional challenge and that B.C. does not, no province has the right to stop another province's ability to transport its goods to Tidewater for shipment. And that, that is a constitutional question that favors Alberta, that it is constitutionally uh, not allowed for B.C. to stop 
another province from shipping its goods. And Heyman sort of acknowledged that in his news conference, uh, where he, he did acknowledge there were constitutional limits to what BC can do. I still think, at the end of the day, what, what the NDP is doing is showing they're doing whatever they can to stop it, perhaps knowing in the back of their mind there really is nothing they can do to stop the Kinder Morgan pipeline legally. And I think that where well, the ball will shift into the political court and it will be this, this sideshow of potentially hundreds of people performing civil disobedience, protesting the pipeline, getting thrown into court, putting enormous political pressure on the government, not so much the NDP government, but the Trudeau government, to back away from the pipeline. We saw that in the 90s with Clackwood Sound, the War of the Woods. It forced the NDP government of the day to make significant changes, and the forest companies to make significant changes to the way lumber was uh, harvested in B.C. because of this international protest. The same will occur with Kinder Morgan. But it's going to be interesting. The dynamic is shifting because it won't put pressure on the NDP government to change its its position because it will already be anti-Kinder Morgan. It will be on Trudeau and the Liberals to change their position. And it's far from clear whether they will in the face of what's going to be of significant and very theatrical opposition. That uh, is true. All right, Keith, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much uh, for joining us again. Anytime, Joe. Take care. You too. That is uh, Keith Baldry over at Global BC talking BC politics this morning. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.